stepping of this man, Luke Johan. Bounce off from McNulty, and away he goes! Harry McNulty! Knight gets away, Knight up to the 22, he won't be caught! Bonjour, welcome back to podcast. I think we're on episode eight now. Uh, today we aren't joined by Harry. He's busy in Hamilton in New Zealand, but we are joined once again by the Dr. Luke Trahan. Uh, Shamai Luke, how are we doing? Shamai, very good. Thank you very much. Um, just, yeah, back in Hong Kong and uh, looking forward to a good year. How are you getting on, Aye? Yeah, doing well, mate. Sun's, sun's back out after what seems like uh, an eternity of rain here in the UK. But yeah, it's uh, it's not been a bad start to the year, really. How was, uh, how was your festive and New Year period? It was good. So um, I came back to the UK. Uh, as you know, I saw you quite a few days. Um, and I think it did rain for the two and a half weeks while I was back, bar one day. But it's, I quite like that around Christmas time, like fire in the house just like eating having some drinks chatting away to the family um going for some walks and yeah i quite i quite like uh ideally a uh bit of snow around christmas but you know i don't mind when the weather's too rubbish um how was yours yeah not bad thank you i spent it down in cornwall with my partner's family went down there um had a had a lovely time and then we went skiing for New Year's to Austria had a bit of nightmare with that. Um, the plane got cancelled on the runway on New Year's Eve. Um, we were sat on the plane for ninety minutes, and they had a problem with the internal comm system. They tried to get a replacement plane, which half the plane cheered for when they said, "I was like, don't go cheering, you're just going to jinx it." <laughs> <laughs> They're like, "We've got a replacement plane." They're like, "Yay!" And it's like. Uh, we can't get you over to that plane in time because apparently there was a curfew at Salzburg Airport, which on New Year's Eve seems a bit ridiculous when people probably setting off fireworks at midnight. But yeah, we got put up though um, at Bristol Hotel, like, all expenses covered. And then we flew the next day at 8.45. So it wasn't too bad in the end. And then, yeah, I had a good week out in Austria. Not much snow. Uh, typical. Uh, it dumped before Christmas. Then it was really warm and it rained, like record temperatures in Europe. So all the snow vanished, but the slopes were still there. And then the day after we left, it dumped with snow again. So that is <laughs> it typical. Was typical. Typical. But got a couple of days snowboarding. Got quite a few days hiking, which was pretty cool. Um, pretty sad, though, to in a way that I was hiking at like 2000 meters in the middle of winter in, in Austria in a pair of shorts and it was yeah. like 12 degrees. I thought that was madness. At one point I did have my top off and I was like, what is going on? It felt like summer. <laughs> uh, and people still think climate change isn't a thing, but there we go. Something for uh, another, another time. <laughs> I was going to say, are we going down that road on this uh, rugby sevens podcast? <laughs> Yeah, we branched out into new avenues. This is no longer a rugby service podcast. We're talking about global warming. Those bloody 5G test masks that ruin it for everyone. Oh, God. God. Uh, did you do anything for New Year's? Do you have any like traditions you do over Christmas? Um, so normally we're just with the um, my parents and immediate family on uh, Christmas and then see the grandparents uh, on Boxing Day. So that's kind of it, really. Not Not too much more standard, just some presents in the morning, uh, roast uh, mid-afternoon, and then drinks, games, standard kind of stuff, really. Um, what about you? 
no, I usually spend it, like I said, I went down with Beck's family. Uh, Dad's got a shuffleboard, so we played a lot of that. But yeah, just classic board games, food. <laughs> He's got a what? A shuffleboard? Yeah, you never played shuffleboard. It's where no, you've got the disc. Yeah, what on earth is a man in Cornwall got a game like yeah. that? Busiest man in the world, that guy. He's got everything. I've it's, not... Uh, so that- I've not walked into anyone's house in the UK and they've got a shuffleboard. Right, <laughs> game changer. So that that was uh, that took up a lot of the uh, festivities. But no, it was uh, just just the, the standard uh, Christmas uh, for for a UK based family, really. So uh, <laughs> yeah, shuffleboard and eggnog. <laughs> That's it. You're back in uh, Hong Kong now. How? Uh, How's life over there? It's good. So uh, it's winter here as well. And I've just been trying to work out, uh, like everyone says it gets cold here. And obviously coming from the UK, you're actually trying to work out how cold it gets, but it's not too bad so far. Um, and then this week's actually my uh, 30th birthday. So Wednesday the 18th, turning the big three zero. Um, and then on the, got a Friday night game of Valley and then Saturday doing a uh, night junk which is one of the old-fashioned boats here in hong kong and they do like a, a bar and food and you just drive around the harbor for three four hours so i'm really looking forward to that that sounds like night junk that sounds very like mad max um water world like is kevin costner serving drinks like what's going on yeah especially if you start like searching uh big night junk hong kong uh <laughs> You might want to start. Don't search that. Yeah, you might, might want to start deleting your search history. <laughs> that sounds class, though. Um, I think oh, it should be I, good fun. I've I've not been on one of these, but I, I think it's um, in the summer. It's it's going to be quite a cool thing doing the junks, and you can um, like actually get in the water, and they have like inflatables, have like DJ going, like free flow drinks. Um, I'm pretty sure if you remember when uh, Harry and the Irish team qualified, uh, won the Challenger Series, I'm pretty sure they did that the day after qualifying onto the World Series. So, um, yeah, shame Harry's not here to give his insight on that. Uh, but apparently it's all the it's, it's, it's the big thing in Hong Kong to do. Yeah, I have heard. If Harry was here, it would take 15 minutes for him to talk about it. So we would be here quite a while. Um, but junk is just the name for a boat. It's not like a rusty metal scrap scrap heap. Like that's the, that's the what I've got in my mind. Uh, it's the name for the boat. I don't know if it's the particular style or design of boat. Like the pictures I've seen, they just look a little bit like a pirate ship. If you just take the mast mast off them, fair one. Well. Have a great birthday, mate, and uh, look forward to hearing some stories from your uh, time on the junk. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, fill, fill everyone in uh, the next podcast. Fair play. Right. It's been a while since we parted because obviously we decided to enjoy ourselves over Christmas. But pre, um, pre-New pre Year, we had the Cape Town Sevens. Uh, so a little recap on that. That was won by the Samoa Sevens, uh, who defeated New Zealand 12-7 in a very wet and wild final. It was their first series title since Paris uh, in 2016. Uh, USA took the bronze, beating South Africa 22-14. And in other news, uh, Australia and Ireland missed out on the top half and Uruguay snuck through uh, on points difference. And then over in the women, uh, New Zealand took the first win of the series this year. 
beating Australia 31-14, and they now sit joint top of the standings uh, with Australia. And then USA took back-to-back bronzes, beating Ireland. So, yeah, it was a it was a great tournament. Uh, did you catch much of it, Doc? And and what were your thoughts on sort of the outcome? Uh, I've actually watched quite a bit of it. Um, it was on at like a fairly decent time here in Hong Kong. Um, and one of the boys has uh, one of those uh, prime sticks where you get all the channels. So um, you can watch with any commentary, basically. So um, I was watching with South African commentary, which is quite interesting. Um, watching the Cape Town Sevens there, like their view and take on it. Um, yeah, I thought amazing uh, outcome in the men's tournament. That's huge from Samoa. Like for the last uh, 18 months, two years, they've looked like uh, a team like just playing amazing rugby, haven't quite managed to get that cup win. So that was awesome to see them do it. And, and also in the style they did it with that drop kick and extra time. Uh, to actually put them through the semi-final into the cup final. And then that absolute downpour for the final games, it looked like uh, looked like almost <laughs> like a childhood rugby dreams where you're winning cup, cups in, uh, in rain, sliding around everywhere. They were having a good crack afterwards. Uh, and then, yeah, that was a huge um, result in the women's game. Obviously, in the last uh, handful of tournaments, Australia have definitely been the team to beat. And uh, that was quite a convincing victory. Uh, by New Zealand um, and again you um, you put it in your session notes about um, America just ticking over nicely I think both in the men's and the women's game and um, yeah they they look like they're also on the verge of something big to come in the in the remaining tournaments but no I thoroughly enjoyed watching Cape Town's always a class tournament and uh, looked like it didn't disappoint again yeah it did look like a, an incredible event and yeah, there's there's some big goings on in the sort of tournament standings now, and you know with Australia and Ireland missing out, it's kind of opened a bit of a gap in the men's. Um, Ten points still separate first and eighth. Uh, Samoa and South Africa are joint top, forty seven. New Zealand, and USA are behind, uh, three points behind on forty four, and then Fiji, Australia, France, and Argentina are all separated by a point. Um, Ireland are back in ninth on 34, so they're 13 points adrift there. So it's still probably the most competitive series to date, but there's sort of gaps opening up now in that in that race for fourth. But like you said, great to see Samoa finally, you know, get over the line and win a tournament after showing so much promise over the last 18 months. Um, they've always sort of been edged out in semi-finals. They've looked really good on day one and never been able to fully convert that on day two. So great to see them win that. And on the women, um, yeah, great great to see New Zealand taking it to Australia. And the worrying thing is they've got a few more superstars to come back in uh, to their squad for the forthcoming tournaments. A lot of them were out on World Cup 15s duty. So they've got a few few big names like, like Sir Portia Woodman, uh, Stacey Fluher to come back in uh, and really up the game. So it's going to be a very competitive series for the women. But yeah, on USA, oh, they're, they're sort of dark horses at the minute. Uh, Mike Friday's done a really good job with the men trying to sort of rediscover their identity and try and rebuild them after a sort of a period where they lost quite a few of their household names. Uh, and I think he's got that good balance now again of a few old war horses uh, with a lot of experience and some really young, exciting and physical talent coming through, which I think if he can mold them the right way, they could really uh, be a force to be reckoned with in the, in the future years. 
A hundred percent. Like he looks like he's right back into building that uh, blueprint of a USA team that we saw with all those uh, amazing American players who who are kind of towards the end of their careers or retired at the moment. And this new crop of lads coming through look like they're just straight back into the straight back into that mold of physical, quick completely understand the game plan that America want to go with um absolutely just fight for each other in uh, a defense and attack and uh, they're getting their uh, just reward for it so yeah they've snuck up to fourth position now I think and um yeah I think it'll actually take a fair bit to knock them out of that spot now for the rest of the season yeah I think as well with uh Olympics being so crucial to USA success they're they're a sort of a nation that's founded on Olympic medals and i think if they can obviously get olympic qualification and do well there it's only going to help to bolster and boost the game but i think part of the reason they've been so good over the last few tournaments is the return of people like Kayvon williams um scuba steve thomasine uh and perry baker perry baker's back to his uh destructive self or by he's sort of fitting into more of a a team role. He's no longer that guy that just finishes everything off. I think you've seen him coming in field now and creating more, but yeah, he's back to his lethal best, which I think had a huge impact on, on their success uh, out in Cape Town. Yeah, he obviously uh, came to rugby fairly late, um, as a fair, fair few of the American players do. And that's probably been the hallmark of him as a player. He just gets like better and better. His like, understanding of the game seems to go like go to another level every single season he's played uh, and this is despite having a pretty nasty injury a little while back um, and yeah he's he's not just raw speed he knows when to pass he knows how to fix players he knows how to use his attacking attributes just to cause absolute carnage in the in the opposition defense you know clips always end up on um, uh, social media of him doing that. Um, he also puts in the work in defence. And yeah, he's, I think when uh, himself and Carlin first came on the scene, they, people were very quick quick to tarnish them with the brush of, oh, they're basically just sprinters, just give them ball and they'll run around people. Um, but particularly Perry, he's like so much more than a sprinter. He's like a full-fledged rugby player, rugby brain on him, like huge rugby IQ in terms of sevens. Um, and I think that's why you've seen him go on for so long. And well, at the moment, he doesn't look like he's slowing up at all. No, he doesn't. And then players like Lucas LeCamp and Malachi Esdale, again, they, they contributed huge amounts and they're both relatively new to the series and coming on, but they're looking sort of ahead of their age and experiencing sort of the, the well, in the efforts they produced in Cape Town. Any word on those two? Yeah, no, they've, um, they, they're two players I've been aware of for a little while. I think when I was at the Vancouver Sevens a couple of years ago, um, some lad that I ended up chatting to there said he had a friend who was coming through the ranks in terms of um, Lucas and then he's he's burst onto the scene uh, so I've kind of always kept a bit of an eye out for him and uh, he again uh, just going from strength to strength um, you often see this in terms of players when they come onto the World Series for the first time you need a good like five six tournaments to really find your foot in understand how everything works and is going on um and then often that's where you see players then once they find their groove they kick on and they they show why they were picked in teams in the first place but always takes about six tournaments i'd say is a bit of a minimum 
obviously a couple of exceptions but um yeah i'd say that's a pretty good uh number of tournaments to get to and then really you found your feet and you can show what you're about yeah thanks yeah i know i know as exception you didn't need to bring it up cheers mate um <laughs> How did you know I was talking about you then? Was it because I was winking oh, at you the whole time? or? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Well, uh, at the other end of the table, uh, Japan are rock bottom with four points. Uh, they don't look like they could fight their way out of a paper bag at the minute. Uh, and then closely followed a Kenya on nine points, Canada on 11 and Spain on 13. They're making up that bottom four that would go into a relegation playoff. Any word on the... You know, bottom half of the table, obviously Uruguay made the cup semis uh, in Cape Town on points difference. That was a huge boost to them. And GB, obviously, they're no longer in a relegation battle, but they put in a good good performance. Any sort of notes on that bottom half of the, of the table? Yeah, it's um, in terms of that table, you obviously split into the top nine, which are all fairly close. Um, then you've got GB and Uruguay, same points, and then those bottom four are kind of a little way off. Um it's going to be interesting. I agree with you. Japan look like they're really struggling and I'm not really sure what they're going to be able to change or who they're going to be able to bring in to get themselves out of there. Um, and there's already a fair few points even between them and Kenya. And when you are down that end of the table, you're literally picking up one, two points a tournament. Uh, uh, you kind of need a massive performance out of nowhere to really get yourself out of trouble and normally that's hitting the cup quarterfinals but can't really see them doing that this year so but uh how good was it to see gb in the top half uh of of the set of the draw on day two awesome um it makes such a difference to like how the team um just like the energy the feeling around a team when you do get crack into that cup quarterfinal um if they hadn't have done it, they probably would have been closer to that relegation battle. Getting into that cup quarter, they've now pushed themselves into kind of that. It's a little bit no man's land at the moment with Uruguay, but you'd rather be there than down in the bottom four. And at least they've got eyes now to try and push on up the table a little bit. Um, I think fourth place and above, it's not impossible, but um, they're going to need a few tournaments back to back, kind of hitting those cup quarters semis consistently um but yeah awesome from a british sevens point of view uh to see them like it's it, it it's kind of what we expected would happen like new team coming together you need a few tournaments to gel um they've now obviously got more training under the belt so um hopefully this is just the start of uh, an upwards charge up the world series standings yeah, fingers crossed. And the women, they were, again, improved performance, not quite in and amongst it, but again, they were in the top half of the draw and a better performance for the women as well. 100% same again. Uh, they're now up to seventh, I think, on the the women's standings. Um, and again, hopefully this is another upwards trajectory. Uh, I know they've got uh, Jazz is back, Jazz Joyce is back for the Hamilton Sevens. Um, I think that'll be huge for them. Um, and again, uh, if I like, I'd love to see both men's and women's GB's teams get into those cup quarterfinals and see where they can go on from there. Yeah, they've had, in fairness, they've had two tough quarterfinal draws. They had New Zealand uh, in the first round, and then they had Australia in the second round. They slipped through the group, so I think if they can get a second place or a top place finish in the group, it will set them up then for a for a better quarterfinal result, and they can probably push on from there. But just goes to show how tough the women's competition is again, uh, alongside alongside the men's. Yeah, no, it's uh, 
crazy competitive and that's what you want to see you want to have men's and women's like all the way from the top to the bottom of the table could be each other um and that's what makes a spectacle that's what gets people wanting to watch lovely well this weekend coming is the hamilton sevens uh it's the fourth event for the men on this year's series and it's the third event for the women before we talk about the groups let's talk about sort of new zealand and hamilton as a venue because it's the fourth year it's been hosted in Hamilton. Uh, it was originally held in the capital, Wellington, at the Westpac Stadium. The sort of the tournament built a reputation for being one of the most sort of carnival uh, and party atmosphere tournaments, with sort of fancy dress being almost compulsory. It would sell out in a matter of days, but it got eventually moved to Hamilton in 2018 after attendances slowly declined, and it became a joint tournament uh, in Hamilton with the women in 2019. Now, I haven't played in either of the tournaments. Unfortunately, my brittle body meant I could never get out to New Zealand and play, uh, and I retired before it went to Hamilton. You've played in both, Doc. Uh, what's your thoughts on on sort of New Zealand as a as a host country and and the venues itself? Uh, I, I absolutely love going to New Zealand to play rugby. I think it's an amazing country they obviously absolutely love their rugby and um i've only ever had good trips there um i might quickly jump in with the this is this isn't sevens just because it's kind of related to one of your points there um and and this isn't sevens for this week was uh uh still just world rugby insisting that the teams travel economy in sevens obviously it was a 15s teams they'll all be in business class and I think you were talking there about your body and the strain on the World Series and I think that's still just something they uh, need to sort out for the players as the, they start making more money with these changes they're making to the whole World Series and I'm basically just going to keep saying it until they do it. Um, and then on to a more positive note with the um, New Zealand Sevens coming up for This Is Sevens. Uh, pretty cool uh, post was put up by Sarah Hirini of uh, the Blackfern Sevens. And uh, it's her 12th year of playing um, professional rugby in Sevens with a bit of 15s as well with Portia Woodman and Stacey Fleur-Lew. I always get her name slightly wrong uh but an incredible achievement uh the amount of work they've done for the women's game not just in new zealand but globally uh like they're all three of them are instantly recognizable doesn't matter which tournament they go to i can't think i'd hate to put a number on how many um young girls they've probably inspired to play rugby and i think it's an absolute credit uh to them that they've been able to do it for so long uh but particularly at the highest level where uh new zealand sevens or the blackfern sevens have been so this is sevens uh just massive shout out to, to those three women yeah they're all uh huge advocates for the women's game and absolutely legends absolute legends uh in both sevens and 15s and worryingly they uh portia woodman and stacy fluher both missed uh the well the first two legs of the series so they'll be huge huge boost to that uh, Blackfern Sevens team uh, and just makes it even more competitive against the Trans-Tasman Rivals Australia. So, yeah, looking forward to those two coming back, especially Stacey after the, you know, 15s World Cup she had. Both yeah. on and off the field, she made an impact, you know, her, her sort of her skill set, but also um, she sort of got attention for when she came off injured. She was just smiling and enjoying herself and, you know, great to see personality on and off the pitch. So, yeah, looking forward to those two coming back and added a bit more destruction to the miss uh the mix in that new zealand team 
Yeah, it's going to be scary. Yeah, Stacey doesn't stop smiling the whole time she's playing. Um, I think someone called her the smiling assassin at one point, which I think is a great way to describe her. Um, but sorry, back to your original question of um, Wellington and Hamilton. Um, yeah, Wellington used to be up there, one of the pinnacles of the sevens. Um, the massive bowl stadium there used to be full, fancy dress for the whole tournament. Um, I was actually gutted. I... Um, Miss, I actually missed it when it was full in the stands. But the year that I started going there was when they, uh, for some crazy reason, you're allowed to drink, but you're only allowed to drink under the stand. So there was still the exact same amount of people by the sounds of it, but you could hear them. You just could not see them. Um, and then the only ones who were kind of sat in the stands were either like some young kids with their parents watching or people dressed as like a smurf or something just like who'd, who had just taken a time out from uh drinking under the stand um but i used to love wellington as a tournament like the just the whole of new zealand is quite a cool place to go to when you're coming from the uk like it generally like i don't mean this in a bad way but it just because it's so sp- sp- sparsely populated is that right sparsely the right word um it feels like you're kind of going back in time a little bit to me, um, particularly when you go down to somewhere like Hamilton, which is literally like four streets and that's the whole the whole place. And they're all like low buildings. They look a little bit like cowboy Western buildings. Um, and there's just so much like national park and just beaches, mountains everywhere around. It's like, it's it's really cool, uh, but does does I might in my head I'm always like I imagine this is probably what the UK felt like like 20 years ago or something. <laughs> it is a beautiful country. Uh, I I spent uh, three uh, two months traveling around there and it's just unbelievable. The the topography that's uh, that's the word of the day. The topography is sensational. You know you got everything. You got mountains. You got coastline. You've got glaciers. It's just, yeah, it's uh, absolutely incredible. I go back in a heartbeat, but yeah, always gutted I missed that tournament. But they, they're such, they're very similar to the UK, obviously, culture, climate, rugby mad, uh, lots of sheep as well, which we, we love yeah, in Wales. Lots, but of sh- lots of sheep. Lots of sheep. Uh, but yeah, they, they, it was, yeah, it was one of those I, I was gutted I, I, I missed. Yeah, one of my um, favourite things in the Wellington tournament as well, like it used to be the most crazy travel day to get there in terms of you take like four flights to get there. It's a good like pretty much two days of flying or sitting in an airport. Um, And then when we'd get to the hotel, you go for a walk along the beach, then there's this um, really cool thing, which I guess the council has built. So they've got like a wooden walkway around the edge of the some of the bits of the city. Uh, and then there's just a massive square cut out of one of the deck ends. And then they've built diving boards off the deck, essentially into the harbour. And uh, depending on how high the tide is, like it could, it's like a real decent jump. Like it could be close to about like seven to 10 meters and uh, we used to go there straight away from the flight and um, if it was your first cap you basically have to jump off so we've got some funny videos of boys who are a little bit scared of height a little bit jet lag trying to jump off the deck into um 
uh, into the sea. Uh, but I also think this was part of the problem with the fancy dress and the drinking because I think it's quite close to the stadium. I think people basically used to come out in fancy dress and obviously when you probably had a few beers, you think that's the funniest thing in the world, jumping off the diving boards. And uh, uh, I think it just got to the point where they were rescuing so many people from the water. They were just like, this is ridiculous. What well, like we're going to have to do something about this. Um but yeah, Wellington, Wellington's a cool spot. And then Hamilton, um, a couple of the highlights I wrote down for this is uh, one of them's going over to Raglan. Did you make it over there on your travels to Raglan? I didn't get over to Raglan. It, it was one of the places I wanted to go, but I explored a few of the beaches further north of Auckland um, instead. But I've, I've heard very good things. It's one of the best left-hand breaks, I think, in uh, in Oceana. Yeah, I think so. It's like renowned uh, in the surfing community. And equally, it's just like a really cool uh, seaside surf town. Uh, some really good food there. Uh, amazing just to drive there on the day off um, and not too far from Hamilton. Um, the other things that I really liked in Hamilton was I met a load of Kiwis when uh, I did a sail Croatia trip on my own and uh, they all came from Hamilton. So I was actually quite excited when the tournament moved from Wellington to Hamilton and they've taken me out and shown me some cool bits uh, in and around the Waikato. Um, and it is just such a beautiful, beautiful part of the earth. Um, and they're also mad about their rugby down there and the stadium I think is a really cool pitch and set up to actually play sevens. Um, and there, oh, that was the other thing when, uh, one of the years 660 were playing. So a load of the teams went along to watch them in the week building up to the tournament. Um, and if you haven't heard of them, they're ultra famous Kiwi band, some real nice music. So go check them out. Um, and that was quite a lot of the boys, particularly in the GB team, were big fans of them. So a load of lads went along to watch them in the tour- in the build-up to the tournament, which was really cool. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm a huge fan of Hamilton as a tournament. A lot of people have been asking, like, why is it in such a small place? But um, I I, th- I think it's I think it's really cool. And if they're keen to keep it, I think World Rugby would actually be very happy hosting it there. You uh you also got to visit um some of your heritage at Hobbiton as well, didn't you? <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that at some point. Uh, yeah, that was that was actually really cool. Um uh, so anybody who's watched Lord of the Rings, I'm sure you know loads of it was filmed in New Zealand and about an hour away from Hamilton is where they filmed uh, the Shire and the Hobbit and they've still built and made it into a bit of an attraction. Uh, and in the first year uh, where they were pulling out quite a lot of stops, they did the captain's photo in Hobbiton and then they put on a massive like Hobbit style feast for all the teams which was quite a fun afternoon, evening down there. And that was really cool. I enjoyed that. You were Bilbo and Perry was Gandalf. <laughs> well, I think it was me and Mitch were uh, Frodo and Bilbo Baggins running around. <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, I've never been over to New Zealand, but I did travel there for a couple of months. But I was put in contact with one of the liaisons officers, uh, which looked after Wales. So for people who don't know, anytime a team travels to a country, they're designated one or two liaison officers who kind of act like 
mentors and, and helpers for the week where they book stuff, they, they, they drive you around, they give you advice. Uh, yeah, I was put in contact with the former liaison officer in New Zealand, Shelley, and I'd never met her before, um, but she took me in, she put me up, she uh, let me stay there. She was absolutely incredible. Even though her house has been renovated, uh, she gave me a key to, to her house. <laughs> She's like, you can come and go. And what blew me away the most was she lent me a car for, I think, two or three weeks. Uh, she lived... Uh, outside of Wellington and I wanted to travel the North Island. I told her I was going to rent a car. She's like, no need. Uh, I've got a spare car here. She lent me it. She's like, just drop it back. Didn't want any money. Just an absolutely incredible woman who just sort of was super, super friendly, you know, would willing to do anything. And she was saying how she looked after a few of the boys' families when they came over for the Alliance tour. Uh, just, yeah, just super generous people, uh, incredible. And yeah, they, they sort of looked after me when I was out there and, and yeah, made my experience and, and time over there so much better. So big shout out to Shelly Shaw and the Shaw family. Yeah, she's uh, she's a lovely lady. She's one of the, um, like everybody who does liaison, the liaison officer roles, like they're pretty much salt of the earth. Like 99% of them are like absolute legends. Um, and then some of them just go like another step again and Shelly's one of those where the boys were always so happy to see her but equally like tear in the eye when you had to say bye because she'd often get the whole team present so we'd go around for like a barbecue around the house during the week and um yeah the ladies and officers that kind of local touch in a in a place and she'd always go above and beyond one to make sure you were in in the best place possible to play in the weekend but that you also got like an incredible experience of the the place you were at and uh, that's where liaison officers just get it so right. But equally, some get it so wrong as well. <laughs> Who's got it so wrong? Uh, I, I, I'm not sure I can say too much more. Um, but there's been a few... That, there's been a few that have had to be sent home after a few days anyway for a number of different reasons. Uh, but like I said, they're, they're fewer and far between more often than not. They're, um, uh, they're, like, they're giving up their time to do it. Um, and I just always think people who are so selfless like that is just incredible and uh, honestly makes such a difference uh, for the teams, especially if you have flown halfway around the world like uh, the British teams when they go to New Zealand. Yeah, fair play to them. Shout out to uh, all the incredible liaison officers. Uh, let's go on to the tournament itself. Um, Black Ferns and the All Blacks uh, are current holders. Uh, they're looking to defend their titles. There hasn't been a tournament there for a number of years. Last one was back in 2020 due to the pandemic. Um, should we touch on the men's or the women's first? Let's go with the women's. We always do the men's first. Uh, yeah, so we've got three pools for the women. Uh, Pool A, New Zealand, Great Britain, Fiji, and uh, the invitational team at Papua New Guinea. Pool B, Australia, France, Canada, and Japan, and then Pool C, USA, Ireland, Brazil, and Spain. Uh, any thoughts uh, thoughts on this, Doc? Uh, like we said uh, earlier on in the pod, like the women's game with that 12-team format is ultra-competitive. Um, this is going to be much of the same. A um, couple of interesting matchups there. Like, I think that... Um, Pool A, obviously, with New Zealand, Great Britain and Fiji, that's going to be an absolute barn burner. Papua New Guinea, bit of an unknown. Um, I think with Great Britain now, uh, obviously, uh, we're huge fans of Jazz Joyce in the pod. I think she's going to add a lot back into GB being back in the team. So I'm really interested 
interested to see how they go against New Zealand and Fiji. Um, and then, um, again, off the back of that, I think the other two pods may be, may be a little bit more easy to predict uh, where you might finish. Um, who do you think is going to be the pool, the two pools with three coming out of it, and which pool is going to only have uh, two? I think with Papua New Guinea in Pule, um, I think it's going to be New Zealand, Great Britain and Fiji emerging from that pool. Um, and then it's a hard one to call um, with the other two. Uh, I think maybe four, three coming out of Pool B as well, Canada, um, and then Ireland and USA coming out of uh, Pool C. How about yourself? Yeah, I think that's where um, my head would go as well. Um, although that pool C, you can't write off Brazil and Spain. Spain um, have obviously beaten Fiji this World Series, um, which comes back to that point of how competitive it is on the Women's Series. Uh, um, yeah, I guess that's why we play the tournaments is to find these things out. And um, so far this year, we've been pretty rubbish at guessing who's going to win, who's going to get out of the group. So um, I don't know why we're wasting our own time, really. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It's pointless, but it's funny. Uh, funny to see how wrong we get. I'm going to go for New Zealand. I'm going to plump for a New Zealand win here, although it'll be tough. It'll be, you know, a toss of the coin between them or Australia. Um, yeah, I think toss, I think it's going to be New Zealand, Australia in the final. Uh, I am going to, just to be different to you, I'll say Australia. And then I will we'll watch, uh, we'll watch USA win it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say it'd be uh, amazing from USA. if They can keep backing it up as that, um, consistently third team and closing the gap down to New Zealand and Australia. Um, I would love, like, I don't think it'd be out of reach for teams like Great Britain and France to get themselves right up into the mix as well for a medal. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be another quality tournament, and um, obviously they had the fifty women's fifteens World Cup, uh, and that seemed to have massive impacts on women's rugby in New Zealand, obviously globally as well, but particularly New Zealand. So hopefully there's a real big crowd there who are there to support the women, and hopefully a lot of young aspiring uh, female players who uh, want to watch. They're, they're like heroes playing and inspire them to keep playing and try and get into into a international setup. Definitely, yeah. Fingers crossed that the support carries on over from the 15s World Cup, which was just out in New Zealand. Uh, moving on to the men, uh, we've got Pule, uh, Samoa, Fiji, France, Kenya. Strap up your shoulders, sir. That is a savage pool. Uh, pool B, uh, New Zealand, Great Britain, Australia, uh, Tonga. They're the invitational team. Again, that's another one. You're going to need a couple of strap in. On both shoulders there, uh, Pool C, uh, USA, Uruguay, Ireland and Japan, and Pool D, South Africa, Argentina, Spain and Canada. I think, again, I'll, I'll open up with this. Again, it looks like there's two tougher groups, uh, one more, two more gentle groups, but I don't think that's even a thing anymore. The series is just... G g gentle? Is that the right word? <laughs> I don't know, mate. Pool A is brutal. Um, that's all I know. I just remember, like my any time at the moment, I think of Tonga Sevens. I just think, I'm pretty sure it was in the Sydney Sevens. Do you remember the red card one of them had? 
absolutely took someone's head off in like one of the most crazy tackles I've ever seen. So um, the fact they're coming in as the that invitational team in an already very, very tasty group uh, with Australia, Great Britain, New Zealand, I think that's going to be really interesting to see. 100%, 100%. Any thoughts on sort of the pools and the matchups and who you kind of can see? But it's pointless predicting because anyone can win the men's. Uh, yeah, anyone can win the men's. And who I think is going to win the men's is Fiji. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'll just go for the Olympic champions. You know, it's a bit of an outside bet. Uh, I don't even know anymore. I'm just going to go really left field and go... <laughs> New Zealand. <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, looking at that, I could say maybe... France. Yeah. I, I like I, I, they, We obviously tipped them uh, around the start of the first couple of tournaments, how well they did and some of the lads playing for them doing so well. Um, uh, again, Argentina are in a pretty good group there to potentially do something on day two. Um, I'm just looking to see how where the teams in the bottom, near the bottom of the standings are and who's maybe in a better position for the, like when you're at the bottom of the table, um, it's all about that day two as well. Amazing if you can get into the cup core finals, but when it comes to that first game on day two, you need to be winning. If you've got any aspirations of not being in the bottom four of the table. Um, yeah. Probably Uruguay have the best chance of getting through to the cup quarters out of the teams in that lower, lower half of yeah. the table. Yeah. I'd agree with you. That's a pretty similar pool, is it not, to the last tournament as well? I wouldn't be surprised. I know Uruguay and Ireland were in there alongside Samoa. I think Samoa were in their pool um, because they snuck through on points difference as well. Yeah, so that could could be a very interesting one. And if they manage to get through to another cup quarter, then uh, they're right out of that. Um, Well, they're in the kind of middle zone now. They'll be right up near the top uh, eight of the table. Yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough, it's a tough pool for Kenya. Um, it doesn't doesn't look like they're going to be getting into the cup quarters anytime soon. The o- the only thing that will help them is that I'm pretty sure they still do pool A with pool D crossover, um, and you're actually going to then potentially end up seeing all three of the next teams above Japan play each other on that second day. So you can guarantee you'll end up with at least two or three points more than someone below you. So they're going to be huge games, save you got like a Kenya v Spain or Kenya v Canada. Yeah, pool A crossover with pool D and pool B versus pool C. So you'll see fourth in pool D play against third in pool A and then vice versa. So yeah. It's a tangled web, this old seven series. It is, it is. But um, yeah, I think that's going to be another crazy tournament as well. It is. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Anything else you want to touch on? Uh, no, any shout outs you want to give this week, Nighty? Anyone looking after the socials this week? Yeah, big shout out to uh, Eddie Jones. He dropped me a message this morning just to let me know that he got the Aussie job uh, ahead of ahead of it going out in news. But yeah, big fan of the pod. And you got any messages just feel like you can send them over to him, uh, top bloke, uh, great geezer. He's already got the mind games going ahead of the Rugby World Cup for the uh, the English team. So, yeah, he's 1-0 he's up already. 
Yeah, he said uh, he, he'll reply to you with a riddle. And uh, if you can solve it, he'll uh, answer your question. Anyway, thanks, Doc. Thanks for uh, thanks for the insight. Uh, pleasure to speak to you as always. Uh, remember, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, This Is Sevens Pod, and wherever you get your major podcasts. So Spotify, Apple, give us a five star rating, and Luke will send you a free running program. Um, you just have to. <laughs> yeah, send me the receipt of the five star uh, review. Uh, with a barcode on it and I'll send you the running plan yeah uh, expect it in three to four working years but anyway uh, as always Dilkaval thanks for listening Dilkaval Solange